Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Here is Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. Oh my gosh, it feels like it's been a minute, Brittany. It's been a long minute, and I missed the music. <laughs> I think I've done a couple pods uh, without you, but like you've been on vacation. I've been, I don't know, stuck in a hole somewhere. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I feel like it's been at least a month, so it's been a while, yeah. and it's good to be That's back. ridiculous, right? A month? Like, yeah. That's, that's hard to believe. I feel like most of the time we talk like every other day. Yeah. It's been It's been crazy. So today we're going to talk about Angular 16, but first we want to get to know our guest a little bit, and I'm going to call him Pato. Pato, do you want to say your full name and kind of a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, so basically I have a rule. If you don't like me, you call me by my, by my name. If you like me, you call me Pato. So my actual name is Patricio, uh, which is like Patrick, but I go by Pato since I was a little baby. Uh, Pato means duck, like quack, quack. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, so I'm Mexican, and in Mexico, if your name is Patricio, they call you Pato. So it's sort of like if your name is Michael, they call you Mike, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. nice. My son just got back from uh, Costa Rica, and he was explaining to me all of the like nicknames and like nuances he picked up. And he's like, "I love their swear words." And I was like, "Oh, good. <laughs> glad, glad you learned that." <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that's usually what people learn first. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Those kids, like, even in school, you can hear them talking, and it's like, oh, it's so bad. And, like, they're 14-year-olds. Like, everyone yeah. has to push yeah. them on their Teenagers, They think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How old is your son? He's 14. Yeah, he's, he's starting high school um, this year, and he is in the marching band, which is interesting and new. Like, I grew up playing sports, and, like, that was my, my jam, and he's doing, like, eight-hour-a-day marching band. Like, they're national-level, like, marching, wow. and so it's like, bring a gallon of water because you're going to need it. <laughs> it's intense so i think they do like before school and after school training or, or so he's actually out for the summer um and they do like uh summer like long sessions um i don't it's like not two every days, day. but it's yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, well i did football it was like two a days right but <laughs> i don't think they're doing up downs and uh jumping uh, jacks or anything like that so maybe they do with the drums like they up down with the drums. <laughs> I don't know that his clarinet counts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyways. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what summer has, has started like for me. It's It's been interesting for sure. And Brittany, you know, you're out nice cruising, weather. just hanging out, right? I was, yeah. That was the vacation. We did a cruise in the Southern Caribbean, just absolutely gorgeous. I would love to just go back and spend some time down there because it was beautiful. And then came back to Michigan and the weather was just awful for a minute here. It was like cold again. I don't know what yeah. happened. My mom visits and she brings cold weather somehow from Alabama. <laughs> Tell her to stay home. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, she did that at, in, at Christmas. I think she brought the snow. Like we had the worst snow like when she came. And so, yeah, it was cold. And then now it's finally nice again. But 
my wife just um, went down to see her mom in South Carolina. And I'm like, you picked like the most beautiful week to leave. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brittany's mom came. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to switch it. So, Pato, we need to get to know you more. I see you around Angular all of the time. How the heck did you get started in Angular? Like, how did you get into web development to start with? So, I'm 31, and I've been writing code for, like, like 15 years. I started pretty young, yeah. um, learning on YouTube when YouTube was, like, super basic. I started with Visual Basic 6.0. Um, that was my thing. And then back in my high school in Mexico, when you were in the senior year, they, it was a requirement for you to learn uh, how to code uh, websites. Wow. Yeah. Cool. yeah, it was a requirement. Like, yeah. And then it was like very heavy engineering focused, uh, which I thought it was like cool because I love that. And then um, I got a full ride to go to school here in the US. So I got a computer science degree. And um and oh no before that I was in university in Mexico um I was studying nanotechnology and we were programming genes and I knew that I love programming but I didn't like chemistry oh okay uh probably there's something out there that I can just do programming full time instead of having to play with chemistry so that's when I um got transferred to the US and um and how I jump into angular so my first job after college it was a company called csx and it's a huge enterprise company they basically have is the biggest uh train company on the east side of the nation um and they were trying to adopt angular gs but their uh infosec system uh team is like very very hardcore and it took it took them two years to approve angular gs to be adopted inside of the company wow. at that point angular came out <laughs> So it took them like another six months to approve Angular. So that's when I fell in love with Angular. And then I left that job and started doing um, um, software engineering for a consultancy. And then... Uh, I feel like I'm like making you give us your resume. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's fine. And then... Um, I I was organizing meetups and um, and writing blog posts and things like that and that's when the Angular GD um, came up and I was like okay cool I guess I'm a, an expert on whatever. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you so, talk about something long enough, you become an expert. That's right. Yeah, but like honestly, like I hate the title expert. I feel like there's always someone like way better, and I'm just like learning all the time. Um, but yeah, um, that's how I got it started with web development and Angular. Nice. That's a really cool story. So at some point in there, so you're like uh, University of Mexico, Mexico yeah. City area. When did you actually end up back in the U.S.? Or when did you come to the U.S.? 12 years ago. Oh, wow. It's been a while, been, yeah. It's been here a while. Nice. I uh, have to ask, as a very pale northern Michigan American, <laughs> would you recommend Mexico City to go for like a vacation? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, there's a, uh, this guy Matt from the Amplify team at AWS who who just got back from Mexico City and he loves it. Everyone I hear, like I talk to, they they've been to Mexico City. It feels like in the last five years, and it's they're like, like super the cool food's amazing. Like, go <laughs> experience it all. And I'm always like, I 
keep hearing about cartels and like scariness in Mexico. What's no, going that's on? in the north. Like honestly, like that's Just in the stay north. Stay away from the border. Like go to Tijuana, which I don't even go there. There's no point for me to go there. And uh, that's pretty much about it. Like nice. I'm from the very center of Mexico. Uh, my city, it's called Leon or Lyon. That's what it means. Okay. And it had like 2.5, 3 million people. And I have never seen anything crazy happening. <laughs> uh, but if I go to the subway here in New York City, I have seen like crazy stuff. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, so here. so define, <laughs> define dangerous, right? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> They're, they keep talking about like all these like the Playa del Carmen area and like um where is it where all the kids go for spring break like Cancun Cancun yeah yeah, yeah. they're like there's so many issues over there I'm like really like people keep I feel going. like the danger is everywhere is just where you go yeah right exactly. like if I cross 135th Street in um in Manhattan <laughs> maybe it's not as safe as as it should you know so. yeah yeah you just have to know your area. Nice. Yeah, your areas. Yeah, that's really so, so. When you when you ended up graduating, um, did you end up with just like a programming degree, not this chemistry, like the chemistry thing? You're like, I threw that away that uh, semester of college. Just like good for you, away, pretty that's much. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it, they count some credits. I said in electives, uh, which that was cool. Um, but I changed my major completely. Yeah. That's really cool. I, when I went to school, I went for, I started out, I want to be a civil engineer and I took Java. Uh, I had taken like C++ and C Sharp and never really got into it. And then I took Java and I'm like, well, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. And so, nice. And it did sent you, me down a, a different path there. Did you have but, to do MATLAB or no? Uh, say that again? Did you have to do MATLAB or that wasn't a thing maybe? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's like this programming tool that most of the nowadays. Yeah. Nice. Well, cool. We're going to take a quick break, and then Pato is going to tell us all about Angular 16 and maybe show us some tips. (laughs) We'll be right back. How in the world could I forget about this? There's no need to freak out. We have Storyblock. Robert, you're right. But we still need a plan. Okay. How much time do we have left until the launch? 24 hours. Okay, let's go. We are ready to publish. So let's get this baby online. get this baby online i see i, can't. I just want to use a story block now i know <laughs> i can't not say it after that it's funny at one point that we we switched versions of their kind of their commercial that they have essentially and i'm like oh i'm gonna really miss their old one the new one has really like captured me i don't know why yeah. <laughs> it's really great like the production yeah. quality was like really nice <laughs> so try story block with angular yeah i know right i saw the angular logo in there yeah thank you storyblock once again okay let's break it down there's this massive blog post out there i'm gonna just kind of bring that up and you can you can take with it you know wherever you want helps if i would have shared my screen one moment there we go 
So this is a crazy long blog from the, the official blog, which I can't believe they're still running this on Medium, by the way. They really need to get out of there. Like looking at that small print, I thought that said Mishko at first. I'm like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really small world, too, because I believe that. So Mishko Every, Every, however, something. Uh, he created Angular. I used to work with him at, at Builder.io. The CEO of Builder.io, I believe, is good friends with Minko, and they have lunch together. So it's a very small world out there. We're, we're all yes. kind of, you know, like three degrees of Kevin Bacon, I think. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think Builder.io uh, has something something to do with Quick. Yes, that's and, it. And <laughs> the creator of Quick was the inventor of Angular. Yes, yep. you got it, man. I feel like Pato knows this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a couple like really big standouts. And uh, oh my gosh, I always forget his name. What's his name? He's everywhere with Angular. Mark. Mark. <laughs> great dancer, by the way. <laughs> he is a great dancer. I met him at the Google I.O. in Miami. And he was just like showing off his moves. I said, whoa, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was so Mark here, just so everyone knows. He he is probably one of the biggest voices on the Angular side. He works for Google. Uh, there, he was just at the um, Miami meetup that I was at last month. Um, those guys get around. They're they're everywhere. It's crazy. So this is kind of the big thing, like this rethinking reactivity. The big part here is what? signals. Can you tell I think us? Reactivity was the big title of Rich Harris's talk from a few years ago. <laughs> I mean, we just share these things, right? Whoa. <laughs> React's been talking about reactivity for years. Uh, yeah, I guess um, we're just sharing these titles here. <laughs> so for folks who like have probably written Angular for years, uh, the RxJS side of Angular, I mean, it's been basically like ingrained in everyone that writes it, right? There's this new thing coming called Angular Signals. Can you break that down for us a little more? And I won't yeah. leave this up. It's not a quiz. I just... I, I, no, yeah. Um, so basically, um, Angular Signals are here to replace Zone.js, right? They make your application more reactive and more performant, right? Because uh, um, it takes less computations on the, on the DOM, right, and the less computations, then that means um, the performance is going to be better for, for your web, web application. Um, they also use, uh, whenever you are using signals, you have more control over the change detection of your application, which that was handled by Zone.js back in the days. I mean, you can still use Zone.js now, but now the point is for you to use signals. And signals are not here to replace RxJS, FYI. Uh, that's a, that's a big thing. Like you actually, it's pretty funny because you can go back and forward. You can uh, convert um, signals to observables and observables to signals. I, yeah. I think you use the interrupt for that, right? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. They, they are very, they're making them very friendly with each yeah. other. Like, yeah. That's really cool. Um, so zone JS will be completely removed or it's like, are we thinking 17 it'll be gone? Is it gone already? How's that work? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, uh, like the whole point is for you to just be away from it, but you can enable it if you want. Gotcha. Um, 
like you can definitely go to uh, the main.ts configuration, if I'm not mistaken, and enable that. That makes sense. So for for Brittany, for you, I don't think you've ever written Angular, right? I have not. No. So the the worst thing ever was Zone.js, in my opinion. The, like, it, it was so terrible. And anytime you got out of the context of like Zone.js, you had to like do all these loops and like jump out into this other like area. It was such a pain and such a mess. And people have been complaining about it probably nearly since day one. Uh, it's It's been horrible. So this is such a huge change. It's so nice. Yeah, it's super nice because like, Whenever you use signals, you like if you come from like React background, like I like now that I'm writing Angular, I feel like I'm writing a little bit of React. Yeah. Funny. Um, I think they're they're React doesn't doesn't use signals. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like the way they structure the the way you 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 work with the code. It just makes makes you feel like very. reacty or whatever <laughs> that, that's kind of like where my next question is going so signals are something that we heard of from solid before and what ryan uh carniato kind of came up with a couple of years ago is is that and what solid uses kind of what angular built that on is it the, that technology or is it something different they build it from from scratch uh they of course they could have um adopted whatever uh, signal uses, but I know they, they build their own system of signals from scratch. Uh, but I think the core concept is essentially the same. Yeah. yeah. I think Quick might use some kind of like hook or signal or call it something different to, they all kind of use something like similar to that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how they call it, but for me on, on Angular, um, it makes a lot of sense the name. Right, so signal. So basically, a signal is essentially a variable or a type of a variable that holds a value. Yeah. And whenever something changes, it has like a notification giving a signal uh, for the framework to detect the change. Right. Uh, so when I was learning about it, I'm like, oh my god, the name makes hundred percent sense. Yeah. Nice. The next big one, and I will put this on the screen again because it's. Clearly laid out hydration. <laughs> so with all the other meta frameworks, especially like Next.js and the React world, um, became super, super easy to go from server side or statically generated and just like pick and choose. Same with same with uh, SvelteKit. Like everyone's kind of on this side. And Angular for years has always like, they've had universal, but it's like been such a struggle to implement and like work through but they've, they claim like this is the next iteration. Have you gotten to play with this yet, Beto? I don't, but I know people that have used it. And if, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, it helped uh, increase their core web vitals by 45% in like basic applications. Uh, so that's like impressive. That was like really good. Um, and it's very easy to integrate into existing apps and they have incremental adoption. So you can use something that is called uh, ng-skip hydration um, to adopt it into the attributes in the components. So that's going to help um, do the performance of the DOM manipulation. Yeah, I think it's it's still like this area that Angular needs to focus on because the other meta frameworks, I feel like this is solved. And 
Maybe yeah. maybe they don't care that much because Angular typically is like an application-based thing and not a site-based right. thing. So yeah, not necessarily the rendering though, right? That's the hydration after the rendering. Um, yeah. No, so it's not like we're saying that's still coming from the server and then hydrating on the client. Um, so they're not providing like a static option. The, there is still a static, well, uh, I should be careful with that. Too. <laughs> so there's this thing um, called Scully. Yeah. Um, yeah, Scully that, does. That's also like, that's more of a statically um, set up way, but. But you like have said, to go like separate. Yeah, you almost you almost need to use like um, what's I'm, I'm totally blanking. It feels like a Friday all of a sudden. Um, what's the islands framework meta framework? Astro. Astro. So it feels like you almost need. Brittany to got all your answers. Brittany knows everything. Like I'm always like fumbling around. She's like, I know all the words. I don't anymore. Um, <laughs> when I was at Netlify, I had to be like up on all this. I don't. I don't need all that stuff anymore. <laughs> I feel like uh, on like the story behind that, like using Astro and then like plugging in Angular or something like that still has to be the case. It's it's weird that all of these other like for me, you're writing a React application nowadays, like you write a next application. You don't like mess around to write Svelte. You write it with Svelte. Like it's just so much easier. And I think like yeah. you're starting to see that with Angular, but they don't have the story behind like all of the correct APIs and like. The, uh, the functions and serverless all built in and it, it mm -hmm. feels like they got out in the lead and they were ahead and like it was messy and good and then all of a sudden like everyone else caught up and passed them it's it's still such a weird thing but that's just me i, I don't write angular every day like i used to i, uh, I actually I, 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 met, I met jessica janiak last year at jams at talked to her a little bit about it and they've been like talking to the community a lot and trying to like rebuild some of that like trust and stuff that they had in the beginning and like find out what the community needs and build some of that back so maybe they're trying to get some of that integrated and in what the community's asking for so yeah 100 I, I feel like since like angular 12 they started focusing um angular on what the community wants more than what Google needs, because at the end of the day, um, the entire Google uh, ecosystem is built on on top of um, Angular uh, software, right? So, but now they're actually involving the community. They're listening to them. What do they want? What do they need? And I feel like since Angular 12, they have done an impressive um, improvement. Um, but yeah, it's super nice. Now, um, Angular 16 is probably the, the biggest release that they have made since Angular came out. Yeah. I question that sometimes too, if it's all built on Angular because of how many secret frameworks they have at Google. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Wiz and like some of the other ones that they have internally there that I've heard of. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good call. Um, something interesting too. Uh, I'm not trying to call anyone a liar or something like that, but um, I was always told that Google lives in a monorepo. Everything that that every single software at Google lives in a monorepo, every app. And then talking to some of my friends at Google, they were like, no, that's not true. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that's true with how many things they have and like how many things die at Google like continually. <laughs> like, I can't see that. 
Yeah. That, I feel like they just have like weekend projects and <laughs> and then yeah. it's something impressive oh. and then they just come. Oh, like, speaking of Google domains dying, like, oh, oh that's too so sad. So sad. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like there's all these offers kind of coming out now and it's like, there's such nice integration for I'm everything for I have. Why Squarespace is bad. Like, I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know. I don't. I Anyways, don't we're it. talking about Angular and I'm, I'm going on tangents, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's hard not to talk about the company that basically runs the, the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I think uh, bringing you back a little bit, the, the new build that's uh, being used as well is Vite under the hood. So there you go. Super so cool. Yeah. So basically, uh, Vite, if I'm not mistaken, is invented by even you. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, and yeah. now um, you can use Vite for uh for ng surf ng surf if you're not familiar with angular basically is what runs your application is the same as in in react npm start or whatever um so now it's using that uh on dev mode uh which i think is really cool and also on the build side they're using es build and it's basically building your application in development and prod which is super nice can we officially yeah. kill webpack now <laughs> Let's not even like mention this like uh Voldemort in <laughs> Harry Potter. We were joking before the show started that I think Evan Yu will end up being known for uh Veet and View will be just this other thing he created. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just impressive how how fast Veet is growing. Yeah, like, crazy fast. Yeah. It's amazing how simple and like easy it is to use, how fast it is. It's just it, it makes so much sense. And there was so many things before it that like needed well, to happen. I was going to say it's, it's also built on other things that came before it too, like yeah. roll up and ES build, but it's oh, oh my God. So simple and amazing. It's an amazing tool. I yeah. feel like who, who created roll up? Do you remember? Wasn't rich, rich Harris. Oh, I forgot his name. He has a company <laughs> called Rom something. Uh, it wasn't the um oh my gosh Marcel Guillermo didn't he help with that too um I don't okay. know I'll, I'll let y'all play this game I'm trying to find out who, who's inventor of Rollup now I'm concerned are, are you really looking it up I'm yeah. not I was joking. Oh, it's Rich Harris. It really is Rich Harris. He was like, it really. Oh, it really is. Yeah, he oh. he was messing with me because I I knew it was Rich Harris. Yeah. She's oh, all the <laughs> earrings on. I mean, she's a fan. Uh, I mean, I can tell you. Doesn't he work? Uh, isn't he a core team member of Belt? He's the creator the of. Creator. There you go. There you go. <laughs> See, we're getting Pato like some more knowledge out there. That's good. Yeah. I think the the only other big thing that I saw was um, the like testing updates and and builds, but I, you had a whole slew of things, and you're gonna like show us something, right, Pato? Yeah. So uh, we took a a lot of about the few things that I already have in my slides, but we can actually jump into the code for us to understand more about signals. I think that'll be fun, um, and some other things like the standalone API and things like that. 
So I'm kind of excited to see this because I don't really know what Angular code looks like. And I know it's in my code base and I can't figure out what it's it looks not like. Pretty. <laughs> it's not yeah. pretty. I loved Angular and I, I still think it has its place. But after, you know, I wrote Angular for six, seven, eight years, something like that. And then uh, after I started writing React and Svelte, like, like the Perfect. tooling that surrounds Angular, bar none, it's the best because they've had so much time to develop the CLI yeah. and like all the steps to it. I used to love like the the modularized components, like all that stuff. But the simplicity to write a Svelte component, it's just so easy. Like it's it's straight up JavaScript. And so like, let me ask you. Um, that's a very inter interesting topic. So. You don't use TypeScript with and with Vue. I I use TypeScript with Svelte and Next.js. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm not familiar with Svelte.js at all. So if you want to create a component, you basically have to write it from scratch, right? For the most part, there are you some like a CLI, some, like uh, Anchor. There's, there's no CLI that I know of. Britt, maybe you know of something. I mean, there's UI toolkits you can use, like Skeleton or something like that, if you wanted to pull in components. I think, Is that what we're talking about? It's it's more like you can do ng-c, it creates a component for you. So it's it's more of that tooling. Um, mm -hmm. And the hard part to make this comparison, Pato, is like there's so much that makes up an Angular component. If you want to make a Svelte component, you literally put a script tag in and you're done. Are those snippets oh. or are they like CLI tools? They're, they're straight CLI tools. There's like this whole like schema piece to it and like angular.json file runs so much of like what's happening with schematics and we could dive like down the angular trail, yeah, but it's just so much though. more complex. That's why. That's what you, like you were saying though, like, like you said, like you need that if you need all this boilerplate to do that. But yeah. with Svelte, you don't really need the boilerplate. So you don't need to... Right create that so there are some like vs code plugins and stuff that you can just you know boom and then it goes but I, I don't know it's it's kind of one of those tough things where they could probably make a and there's probably one that exists and i just don't know about it that like spelt create and it's gonna stub out a file and everything but it's just not it's as complex as angular like some of the things you need for like modals and some of that higher order JavaScript stuff you might want, but. The other, the other interesting part too is like the switch from Angular, like having the at component styles and, and stuff now, it's it's really changed, so. Yeah. And I'm not bashing Angular, like I have an <laughs> Angular add-on, I have it. I mean, I honestly work more with, with React than Angular, uh, just because that's what the in industry pulls me to do nowadays uh, but i enjoy writing angular a lot so yeah, yeah. cool so, let me share my screen um da, 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 da. i always feel like when we're in these discussions about angular i always have to like defend it i don't know why <laughs> i'm trying to find my i just lost my screen I don't even know where. Um, He's working virtually. He's in the metaverse. I do that all the time. I'm in, I'm in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, here's the press. I'm surprised no one's picked HoloLens yet. They probably don't want to drop the, like, what is it, five grand or some ridiculous price for it. 
Okay, can you see my screen now? Can you see where it says signals and why? Yes. Okay, awesome. So basically, I'm just going to be showing you all some examples. Hopefully, signals makes more sense now. So if you were writing just pure JavaScript code, right, and assuming that uh, signals are supported with, uh, with vanilla JS, um, on the left side, you're going to see a super tiny example of calculating uh, an addition. Right, so as you can see, you have a variable x, y, and a z one. So you know, x equal to six, y equal to four. Alex, uh, six plus four? Uh, 10. You got it, my man, you got it. Don't ask me anything more challenging than that. <laughs> so if you see, um, if the value changes, or if the value of x changes to 10, right, then some people might expect the total value to be 20. But since this is not reactive, and, um, and then the value of Z is going to remain as 10. This makes sense so far? So far, so good. Okay, Brittany, all good? All good. Awesome. So with signals, right, um, everything becomes reactive. So um, you have the signal, as you can see, you just literally type signal, the value, which in this case is 6, and then you have the signal, the value in this case is four, and then you have a computed uh, callback which calls the value of x and y. Uh, you can see you have the x and you have the parentheses, right? And um, and when you print that, it's gonna give you ten. But what happens if uh, if the value of x changes, right? Um, so I actually. <laughs> I actually did that wrong, um, but um, I was like definitely working this in my head. Um, so the value of X is now 10, right? So uh, 10 plus four is gonna be 14. So Z, which is a, the callback, is gonna get a signal of X changing and it's gonna show the computed value, which in this case is gonna be 14. Make sense? Yep, absolutely. Awesome. So let's I, see. I else. think, like, for, for those who write Svelte, correct me on this one, Brittany, you write it probably more often than I do. Um, that's like a derived store. Um, so it's a store and a derived store in Svelte, right? Yeah. Um, that's what I was trying to think of how you would do that in Svelte. Um, you would have to do like a store value or something outside of the component, but you could also do that with a reactive variable just right in. Yeah. In so the dollar sign. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Awesome. So um, like I was telling before, what is the signal, right? The signal is a value with a change detection mechanism, a type of a variable that can hold a value, which in this case, the example that we saw, we were holding value, the value of six and four. Um, a signal is a reactive primitive, and a signal is not a replacement for Rx, Gs, and observables. So remember that. Um, Let's see. Um, when to use a signal? I think that's one of the most popular questions. Um, use a signal or a computed signal in a component for any state that could change, right? For example, the name of a person, uh, the age, uh, things like that. You can use them in directives as well. You can use signals in a service to share um, state across components. So instead of using uh, sometimes an observable, if you don't want to be uh, listening to that uh, all the time, you can just be using a signal. Um, what else? You can use them in a template to read uh, signal values the same way that you are um, 
that you are doing the curly brackets, right? And, and then let's say that you have a variable called name. Um, you're going to do something similar, but you're going to call it name parentheses, and that is going to invoke the, the signal and it's going to give you the value back. And you can use them to track the local component state as well. Is there any like async factor to that? Uh, signals are uh, sync um, okay. and uh, observables are a sync. Okay, cool. Just keep that in mind. Uh, so we were talking about Rx interoperability. I cannot even pronounce that thing. Can you do it, Alex? <laughs> interoperability. <laughs> I awesome. mumbled through it. That's yeah, cool. thank you. Um, awesome. So like I was telling you, um, you can actually change a signal to unobservable depending on your um, um, on your use case, right? So it's actually very simple. All you have to do is import the to observable uh, from the Angular Core RxJS interop, and as you can see, we have the signal with a value of zero, and then you have the count and the, the, the dollar sign, which that's the the Angular way of letting a developer know that you're working with an observable. And um, so, yeah, all you have to do is the two observable and pass the this.count. And now you have an observable that you can subscribe to. So fairly simple. Now, what about converting an observable to a signal? So very similar as well. You're going to import the two signal. And then you're going to have, let's say, um, an observable from a service, which is that's very common because you are making an HTTP request using the .get uh, um, um, module. And now uh, you can convert that from being an observable into a signal just by passing the observable in, inside of the parentheses of the toSignal method. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's so... I think some of that stuff, if, do you mind going back one screen, Pato? Of course. So Brittany, this this is some of the stuff that gets like really- You see me shake my head? Yeah, because- It's the template this... for the list, the LI, I'm like- Yeah, and, and I think the like injection of a data service too, like for new people that have only learned like JavaScript and not Angular, like those are some of the concepts that get like, I'll call it complicated. Once you understand I don't them, what the service is doing for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, that's the difficulty that those are the pieces that like take a long time to learn outside of like you don't mm -hmm. see this in React or or Svelte or anywhere else. So, Brittany, are you familiar with React or only with Svelte? I mean, yeah, I learned React back when it was like class-based components. So this syntax looks familiar to me, but I don't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, she doesn't like RX. That's that's fine. fine. So, um, she, she so... doesn't like JSX either, though. Pato, it, it, so oh, okay. JSX. Yeah, you said RxJS. I, I know. Like, RxJS just didn't make sense to me. Like the observables kind of blew my mind a little bit when we did the marbles example before. Yeah. But yeah. Um, oh, the marbles. Yeah. Yeah, JSX syntax is a little. I don't love it. <laughs> so, uh, one thing like I think is stop. Angular to having a lot of adoption at the beginning was the concept of observables in RxJS. Um, because you were not only learning a new framework, you had to learn RxJS, TypeScript, 
yeah. and Angular, the whole Angular framework, right? So I think uh, those three things were a um, gatekeeper. Yeah, uh, big barrier. Get more adopted. Yeah, but now everybody uses TypeScript, and now the Angular developers have like eight years of TypeScript experience, yeah. right? Um, but I feel like RxJS didn't become as adopted as it could have. Um, there's only a few people that I know that use RxJS instead of React applications, but I yeah. really know only like- I, I love RxJS, and I would use it everywhere if there wasn't simpler solutions, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. There's just so much, like, if I can make every application I wrote as observable as I can with RxJS, it's a no-brainer for me. What is an alternative? What do we use as an alternative to that? Probably stores are going to be the closest thing to it, but okay. there's a lot of functions. Like a way to share data across an application? Is that what it does? Yeah, in an observable manner, though. So, like... If you have 10 data streams coming in and you wanted to wait for them or like wait for the first complete or like there's all of these different methods that are already written in RxJS that if you weren't using it, you'd almost have to write them manually or it's use like the flow like a, of time kind of, right? Say that again, sorry. Like the flow of time in the observables, right? Like how yeah, you want it to flow in the specific order. Yeah, and how composable they get and like pull okay. each together. Um, I think I've heard of, of it like called streams before is probably the oh, best way. Yes. Okay. Flowing yeah. together of data. So I don't know. I've tried to make so many analogies. The marbles thing is always the weirdest for me, but everyone always uses it. Um, I, I do like the, the streams of like uh, merging and, and things like that a little bit. That kind of made more sense to me than it did before so i kind of get it now if you want yeah you could you could easily use rxjs in svelte or react or anything um, yeah too. it's agnostic right yeah yes yeah. exactly yeah there's yeah. even rx java yeah yeah that blew my mind and it's basically the same concept just for like java devs it's pretty cool yeah i i use uh, rx fire a lot um, in different oh, applications okay, yeah. when using it with Firebase. So because of the, like that real-time observability piece, it, it becomes like really important. Same with like when we were writing AppRite apps, um, if you saw a trigger come across, it was easier just to throw that into an observable right away. So. I can't, I guess I can't think of a good use case where it would be necessary for me to wait on a specific piece of data before another piece of data and I would just call that data before the other piece of data. Yeah, and it, if you're kind of like server side, like that side of things or like building a blog, it really doesn't make that much sense. When you start talking like real time, you want financial ticker, right? Like a stock ticker coming yeah, in. Yeah, like real time data. Guess, yeah. yeah, like that's where it becomes much more important. Yeah, exactly. Cool, sorry. Keep no, good. No, this is this is the fun part, right? Uh, yeah. Talking and discussing and learning. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about hydration earlier. So I'm just gonna skip this part um, and just mention a little bit of uh, what's happening with the hydration and service are rend rendering. So one cool thing is that now um, you don't really have the flicking um, for the end users. You know, like sometimes when you were like loading a, an Angular app, you will see like something flashing and you were like, what's going on? Yeah. So that um, the hydration and, and the new changes are helping to avoid that. Like I was telling you, 
um, is bettering uh, some some of the web, uh, web core vitals uh, in certain scenarios. It's easy integration with existing apps. And as you can see on the right side, um, all you have to do is, um, as part of the Angular platform browser, you're going to import provide client hydration, and you're going to inject it in the providers. And there you go. You're ready to go to use hydration in Angular. So it's like fairly simple. So I think that's really cool. And then we talk a little bit about uh, the tooling, right? So let's dive uh, deep into that. So the standalone API, right? So now, um, you know, the standalone um, APIs are new. So now you don't have to have the, the NG modules. You can basically, um, if you have an application that is using uh, components with, uh, with modules, you can migrate by using the ng generate at angular core uh, standalone and it, it's going to do the, the migration for you which is super nice because you don't have to do it by hand that's uh, yeah that's something i really like about um angular they try to optimize um the developer experience when it comes to um updating uh mm -hmm. things they, they even have the ng update command in the cli which is like super nice um, what else? And yes, yeah, so what happens if you want to start a brand new application with um, standalone, standalone components? So basically, all you have to do is type ng new, which that is the command letting the CLI know that you're creating a new Angular application and you're going to pass the flag uh, dash dash standalone. So now every component that you create using the CLI is gonna is gonna be uh, a standalone component. If you don't use the um, the flag, it's just gonna be a regular component with the uh, with the module. Do you find a lot of people are using standalone already or no? Yeah, people like like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. So uh, configure the zone JS. So what is zone JS? Like I was telling you all before, zone JS is basically the mechanism that. Um, makes us have the uh, change detection instead of Angular. Um, a lot of developers don't like it, and people have struggled with it for a long time. I think that's one of the cool reasons why people decided to adopt um, now signals into their applications. So um, so like I was telling you all, um, you can configure the zone GS, and they can do this in the Bootstrap API. And all they have to do is Pass a uh, provide zone change detection, and then they can um, pass, for example, true or false, depending on your needs. Um, turn it off or turn it on. Uh, that is up to you. Advancing developer tooling. So, um, like we were talking about, uh, actually, I was wrong. Uh, remember that I said 45% that people saw the end, they increased on their performance. So some people have seen, um, uh, I'm sorry, that was on the hydration. No, I'm getting confused. Um, so, you know, whenever you start an Angular application, it usually takes like some time to basically warm up, right? I think about it as a car, right? You, whenever you do ng-serve, it takes a few seconds to to compile and basically show the, show your application. Well, thanks to um, thanks to the ES build, now people are seeing um, uh, improvements of seventy two percent in co production builds, which I think is super cool. Um, like we mentioned before, we're using ng serve uh, 
with with byte with bit now i'm sorry and esv is now used for your dev and prod builds and um, as you can see if you go to the angular.json you're gonna see the builder and it's gonna say angular dev kit and then the browser esv so far so good yeah for sure again thank you avenue <laughs> and the <laughs> massive team around i that. shouldn't just say Evan. <laughs> is it at the strange 5173 local host oh, that's a great question did they change <laughs> the port for ng serve have any of you have used um jest before yeah yeah Okay, so Jest is super nice. I feel like it's one of the easiest uh, testing frameworks out there for unit testing. Uh, back in the days, um, Angular had um, Karma. So now, well, actually, it has Karma already, but now you can use Jest. And I think this is another change that is helping the developer experience a lot. Um, and I feel this is going to help a lot of the adoption of people who are coming from a different background or, or framework to get started with Angular as well, because unit testing is very important. And if you're familiar already with the, with the testing tool, then it's something that you don't have to relearn. So how do we use Jest inside of our Angular application? Very simple. All you have to do is uh, npm install just uh, and then uh, dash dash save dev and in, in your angular.json file you see where it says test and then it says uh, builder right here you're gonna change this line instead of instead of saying karma right here you're gonna change it for just and that's all so it doesn't come by default this is just something it that can... yeah it's optional yeah i think i could be wrong but i think they're gonna make it default um in in future releases though interesting it's interesting they have the polyfills for zone js in there still and then uh something cool in the angular world um i feel like now every framework has the concept of inputs or props right um i haven't played with svelte but i'm pretty sure they have something similar to that i don't know how they call it how do they call it in um in svelte Brittany? Do they call it for, props for props yeah Okay, they call it props. Also awesome. So um, in React, they call it props. In Angular World, they call it inputs. Uh, so now you can actually make them required, which is super nice. And that's going to help you to have more um, safety around the, the application that you write. So um, so like I said, make your input required. All you have to do is uh, type at input and then require true and then the name of your, uh, of your input. And that's it. Super simple. I'm I'm curious. I always forget the difference between directives and inputs. It's been so long now. So directives um, are mainly to well, not mainly, but one of the examples is to like do like how how you say like manipulation or with the DOM sometimes. For example, you can even like use a directive to highlight highlight text using Angular, right? And change the color. Okay. The That's input right. is basically the the value that is coming from from a different component, from a parent component into the child component. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So think of it. Yeah. Just a prop, uh, the same concept um, as React. Yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. Passing router data as component inputs. So now, um, Let's say if you have uh, a piece of code that says um, 
you know you have a page called about now you can pass um data in the path in the path parameters query parameters or the route data and then uh as an input volume and then every time that you visit that specific page then the value of the query the path or the router data is going to be injected into the input which is very nice as well that is nice and then uh, flexible ng on destroy. Uh, do you remember writing ng on destroy at some point, Alex? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, so they're trying to make your life easier. Uh, and basically, the on destroy is injectable, which enables the flexibility for the for the developers that they have been asking for. Um, as you can see, we're using inject. And just to give a little a little bit of context, back in the days. Um, you had to do dependency injection in the constructor with a service. I don't know if you remember that. So yeah. now you don't even need to do the, the whole constructor thing uh, for dependency injection. You can just use inject. And then um, when this component is destroying, you can call the destroy and then um, and then do the, the, um, the destroy of the thing that you're injecting, which in this case is the destroy ref um, from the Angular core. That's cool. Self-closing tags. Um, <laughs> That's so like silly. <laughs> something super simple. And I decided to do a cat example because I'm assuming that you love cats and so do I. Um, so basically you have, uh, back in the days, you have this component called my cat component. And then you're passing, let's say, the name or whatever. And then um, you have to have the other tag, right? And I'm like, why can can I just have one like we do in React? So now you're able to do this. So the, the interesting part is I hope they will get to the point where um, on the, like, the name, the input output, so the parentheses are output, right? And brackets are inputs. Uh, I hope that they can one day get to the point where, like, if you have a variable that is the same name, you won't have to put that in twice, like we've seen with like React for years. Oh I yeah, yeah, that you just something else doesn't do, which is awesome. So, so FYI, in this case, it should be named without brackets. Um, I was, I didn't like really it's all good. this, um, <laughs> but FYI. Um, what else we got? Uh, we got some resources here, but why don't we jump into some actual code? Um, something super simple for everybody to understand how things are working. So this example is based from two places. One is a blog post that you were talking about from Minko, and another one is a code example from Deborah Kurata, which is, by the way, amazing at explaining RxJS. She has this awesome uh, course on Plural site. So shout out to uh, Deborah. So um, right here, we have these signals called um, first name, last name. Um, um, and one has the value of Alex. By the way, that's my dad's and my brother's name. <laughs> that's actually very it's funny. a great name. Great, yeah, great name. <laughs> yeah. And then the last name is Vargas, which it happens to be my last name. And then we have this computed callback, which is going to basically merge the first name and the last name, right? And then you have an effect, right? Which that this makes me feel that I'm writing. Um, 
uh, React uh, with the use effect hook. Yep. Um, and basically, an effect is a um, uh, side effect when a computation happens, something changes, then um, something something's going to happen because of the action that you just made, right? Which in this case is changing the name. So how does this look on the HTML side? All, I'm, all I have is something showing the, the full name, calling um, calling the, getting the value. And I have a button that has a click, set name, and then just passing the new, uh, the new value that I want for my signal. And then we're gonna see things getting updated. So why don't we go to the website? Um, it's gonna type local host for 200. And then I oh, have- I they did. I was gonna say it's fifty-one seventy. I think they kept their port. <laughs> now I have this enterprise-ready, uh, massive uh, web application, as you can see. <laughs> and it looks good. All that's gonna happen is if I click inspect, then go to console, then I'm gonna click on click, and then I see the value Pato Vargas, right? Because we have changed the value of my first name signal. And um, because of that, we had a side effect. And the side effect, in this case, is just printing um, something to the console. If you right. click, click again, does it know enough not to update? Yeah, you see? Nice. Because the value hasn't changed. Yep. Cool. Which is really cool, which means it's reducing the number of computations, which means your application is going to be more performant. Great question, Alex. I'm glad you're paying attention to class today. <laughs> I try. <laughs> yeah. And then um, what else? Um, as I showed you before, now you don't have to have this other uh, tag on the side. So we can just like save it and then I can see my, my other component right here. So we, we want to make sure that it's working. Um, now I have this other uh, component of shopping cart. How can Angular do lowercase component names? I can't remember if they tap into the the native element or not. That's a good That's question. Weird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> because like that, those are reserved for web like shadow DOM components and right. native HTML components. I thought. That's There's weird. something with that it, when they release their native uh, uh, elements. Let's see, maybe uh, that was a, a thing. But this is what it. Uh, yeah, it won't it won't spit them out that way. It compiles them into something else. Yeah. So this is what it compiles to. That's just in dev mode. Yeah. Well, like you write it that way. It's kind of like spelt. Like when you when you write a component in uppercase, it actually compiles out to a JavaScript thing that looks like a mess. And then, um, so let's actually take a look to a little bit more complex example uh, using signals for a shopping cart. So. If we this, this was also we could buy some stuff from you, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, just buy me like a t-shirt or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so awesome. So if we go to the shopping cart component, right? Um, as you can see, it looks a little bit scary just because I have written more things, but nothing complex. Uh, I have the quantity, which in this case is gonna default to one. And then quantity available, you have from one to, to six, meaning the, the quantity of clothes that you can buy. 
Um, and then you have this signal, which um, is basically part of the interface interface clothes um, is using that. And I have the ID and then the name is just going to be a shirt and the price of 10, nothing crazy. And you have this uh, callback for, for doing the computation of how many t-shirts you have selected and uh, it's going to multiply that for the price. And another thing that we want to listen to with our signals is um, the total price. That way we can change the color of, of one of our labels that I'm going to show you. So if we go here, right, you can select one, right? And, um, and as you can see, some signals are getting triggered. For example, in this case right now that I click one, um, I have a side effect going to one. And then if I change to three, once again, this effect uh, gets called. But what happens if I click four? So because I'm using signals, signal the signal called color is going to know the computation. And it's going to see if the value from the price is bigger than 30. And if it's bigger than 30, I'm going to change the color of my label to green. Otherwise, I'm going to change it to black. So far, so good? Yep. OK. So. Uh, I'm going to click on five, which that's going to be 50. And we can see that, um, that now my value, it's in color green because it's over, over 50. What happens if I change it back? What do you think is going to happen, Brittany, if I change it to number two? So two t-shirts that I want to buy. It's going to change back to black. There you go. Perfect. Oh, Why? Because we are it. having a very reactive application using Signal. So... Uh, we're updating our template as our application changes. So, so yeah, that's basically what's going on with with signals. Uh, what else I want to show you? Uh, oh yeah, we can do. Visual. I think honestly, I, I think this is a really good representation. We're we're kind of running up on time here. What we might do instead is just jump over to perfect picks. Okay. Thank you for the example. That was awesome. No problem. No problem. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot since you've been talking so long. Tell mm -hmm. us about your perfect pick. Yeah. So um, I love building communities. And um, basically, this is going to sound maybe kind of funny, but um, I love to interact with people. I love dancing and I like to party. I don't drink. Uh, I don't smoke. I don't do anything. I love dancing. Um, so, uh, I actually have a nightclub in, in Toulon <laughs> and, uh, so I decided to bring the same idea, um, to New York city and I decided to create a community with, um, with people who live here in New York city. And I had a party a month ago and a hundred people showed up to my apartment and uh, it was amazing. People had an amazing vibe. Everybody was super res respectful. Um, we you must have, have a massive apartment. Well, it was in a, in a rooftop. The problem is that uh, people kept telling me, dude, you have to throw another one. And from 100 people, and now we have 561 attendees. <laughs> wow. Oh, so obviously, this doesn't, uh, this is not scalable 
to have a party like this in my apartment. <laughs> so um, I went to a bar here in New York City to a rooftop and I basically pitched them the idea and they let me have the venue for free. Yeah. So now <laughs> I'm going to have drinks. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to have like 500 people, as many as they showed up. And the point is for, um, and for them this... to get along and, and, and hopefully they make a meaningful connection and and maybe one day they network and hopefully they have fun and they dance and and do some cardio yeah this Saturday that sounds awesome yeah it's a lot of work it's like my little baby yeah I I just like um that's something that is related to my um to my Deborah job um I love helping people I love building communities and um I love giving experiences to to people right if I can create an experience and have um someone smiling uh, for my good memory, that makes me really, really happy. That's really cool. Love it. It's really awesome. Brittany, your pick. Yeah, my pick just happened yesterday. So can fit. Weird freeze frame, sorry. (laughs) It's kind of a weird freeze frame. But uh, Config Keynote was yesterday. And so I just kind of picked the whole keynote because they released so many amazing things in this. And I'll kind of go through the list quickly if I can remember all of them, but auto layout has wrapped now. Um, We have dev mode in Figma. We have, goodness, I'm not gonna be able to remember all of them. What are the other big features? Um, Dev mode was pretty big when I saw it. Dev mode was huge. Um, There's another really big one. They released uh, VS code extensions. We are able to do RIM. They released open source plugins where you can do like React code and you can use props variables. That was the other big one. So it's like design tokens, but they're variables where you can um, have props instead of like the actual names. That's cool. You release like dev handoff designs. So it's so many good things. Wow. Yeah. Really impressive. I might have to hopefully Fireship releases like 100 seconds of so I can... (laughs) Check all that yeah, out. it was a pretty long one, but it was it was worth it. It was a good good watch. That's cool. Love it. I, I think you might have missed my other one too. I threw the Spelt Four release in there later, yeah. and and there's a blog post on it too. I just put in the private chat. Um, cool. We'll add that in. Um, as as you as you know, I've been uh, kind of looking for my next job, and uh, there's this new VC based startup in Grand Rapids. Uh, I just heard about called Ticker. Pretty amazing uh, story behind this one. So you can attach all of the different accounts that you have like shareholder stocks in. And what you get is the perks for those stocks that you not, wouldn't necessarily like know about. Um, so like I, I just checked out the site and I, I put in, I, I connected it to my Robinhood. I don't know if I connected to Edward Jones or not, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, when I when I put it in there though, like I immediately got eleven dollar Amazon gift card. I started checking out different uh, because I own X amount of um, I can't even remember what it was now. I got another gift card, and it's all just these companies already offer these things. You just really don't pay attention to them because you're more concerned with like the stock price going up, not necessarily these like perks that they're giving away. So. It's really cool. Like uh, I would definitely suggest checking it out. I think they have a ways to grow yet. And uh, if you're looking for a job, it's a Grand, Grand Rapids, Rapids company. Yeah, it's it's Grand Rapids based. So. Interesting. Um, I haven't heard back, so I I don't know if I, I'll make it in time for a decision on that. One. <laughs> uh, I wanted to pick Pato's site 
as well. Like, oh my god, dude, you've been creeping hard. <laughs> <laughs> I really like these are the little things that I want to put on coding cat, like cats floating it's around. So and, like it's it's just so much fun to have this stuff. I haven't seen that website in like three years. That's the fun. <laughs> I think it might have been connected yeah. on your GDE account. I don't remember, but I love it. It's it's really neat. So it was super fun to build that website. I forgot that. Good memories. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so so much for coming on and breaking down Angular 16 for us and uh, bringing us back into the Angular world. We rarely talk about it, so it's it's awesome to see. Brittany, Alex, thank you so much for the invite. That was like super fun. Um, hopefully you. I get to meet you in person, Brittany. I already met Alex and hopefully I run into, into you, Alex, one more time. Or yes, yes that would be amazing. Soon. Thanks for Soon. coming. All Take right. it easy. Bye. All right. Bye.